0: What happens when two dudes, one, a retired Navy SEAL commander in Colorado Springs, and the other, a hippie meditation teacher in New York City, get together to discuss living mindfully? That's a great question, because we don't know what will happen either. Raw, uncut, and unapologetic. Welcome to Men Talking Mindfulness, with co-hosts John McCaskill and Will Schneider. Each week, we take an authentic dive into how mindfulness continually impacts our lives, deepens our relationships, and allows us to be emotionally alive. We filter all of our conversations through the man box, where we unpack how as men we are expected to act in society, how fighting the authentic human experience is exhausting and damaging, and how mindfulness can help. Now,
1: onto the show. Ooh, men Talking Mindfulness. Look as if uh, we're both in the same shirt. Finally, uh, both wearing the Men Talking Mindfulness shirt. Here we are. Men Talking Mindfulness, John McCaskill here in Colorado Springs with my brother from another mother in New York City, Will Schneider. Today, we're going to be talking about trust and I've Got Your Back. It's going to be a great show. We've got a special guest on who I'll introduce here in a second. The show itself has lots going on. Yesterday, we did an episode on military transition. We did that in the Spotify green room. That's an experiment, having a lot of fun with it. We know that the audio is not great on the Spotify green room, but hey, that's part of our our brand—raw, uncut, and unapologetic, right? Well, I so, agree, man. It's part of the journey. <laughs> part part of of journey. It's part of it. Having fun with it, though. Great episode. Lots of uh, lots of great content there from other people besides me and Will. Lots of great information on military transition. So, if you are military, if you're a veteran, or if you know someone who is a military or veteran and they're thinking about transitioning or they recently transitioned, give that show a listen. Lots of great tips, advice about what you can experience, what you can do to grow, et cetera. Um, And then over the next two weeks, we've got a ton of exciting shows uh, that that will be both airing live and via podcast. So, make sure you stay up to date. We're going to be bringing James Nestor, the New York Times bestseller. Talking about his book Breath, Uh, it's a fascinating read. If you haven't read it, give it a read. It's uh, just mind blowing. Check that out. We're going to be talking about sleep. We're going to be talking about uh, cold weather immersion, cold water immersion, and just all sorts of different things. So lots of lots of great stuff coming up on the show. But again, today we've got I've got your back, and specifically we got a special guest, a friend of mine, Neil Markey. Neil is a former Army Ranger. He did one trip to Iraq and two to Afghanistan. I love that he says one trip (laughs) as though it was a vacation. He's also uh, got his MBA and MIA from Columbia, an entrepreneur. Uh, he worked for McKinsey as a consultant, private equity C-level executive. He's a mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher. And he's also the founder of Evolution. and Evolution is an organization that is introducing people to mindfulness, meditation, and also psychedelic therapy. So that said, let's bring Mike, Mike, what am I talking about? Neil, <laughs> where did I get <laughs> Mike from? <laughs> Neil, Neil, welcome to the show. Hey. Good to see you. Nice to see you guys. Thanks
2: for having hey, me. Hey, Neil. Hello. What's
1: been going on, man? How are you?
2: Well, I'm in New York City for a week, and oh. um Yeah. And then I actually am going to Spain on tomorrow for 10 days to sit down with some of the uh, partners in this little adventure we're on and then back to running these psychedelic retreats.
1: Fantastic. Definitely want to hear more about that here in a second. But as as we were covering before the show, what we like to do before, or not at before, but at the beginning of every show and at the end of every show is get a grounding practice going. And as mm-hmm. I kind of let you in on a secret, there, Neil, it's mostly to ground me and Will before the show, <laughs> so we so we can actually have an effective show. So, man, we'd yeah, be honored if you yeah. would if you would lead one, brother.
2: Yeah, let's 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 do it. So everybody can kind of just get comfortable on their chair. And if you'd like to, you can you can close your eyes and just take a moment to just realize that you're breathing. And let's just, in our heads, count one with the inhale, two with the exhale, and let's just go up to 10. You've gotten to 10. We can we'll just do like a quick body scan. So nothing about meditation says it needs to be slow. Um, you can let's take our awareness to the sensation of our feet on the ground, out to the tip of the toes, both both sides. Move it into the heels of your feet, just feeling the sensation. Ankles. Calves. Knees. The big part of your legs, the quads and the hamstrings. Where you're seated on the chair, the sensation. moving into your belly maybe you feel the breath a bit into the chest up to the fingertips In the palms forearms upper arms, shoulders, moving up to your head. See if you can feel your lips In your nose In your eyes this to close we'll just take a moment to feel that our entire body as a whole and everybody can come back open the eyes well we should be here more now so wow
3: thank you neil yeah yes. i was thinking uh towards the end I'm, I'm here i'm alive i'm present so thank you for that grounding practice really
1: appreciate that
2: yeah absolutely
1: yeah, man. And especially putting you on the spot like that. That was just a test to see to see if you could actually live up to the intro with the mindfulness-based stress reduction. I was like, all right, here we go. Know, you the passed the test, Neil. I'm <laughs> Thank sorry we had to do that to you, but you, you know, know it's all good.
2: We'll keep you on the show. I need we'll keep you on the show. I, I don't get much inv- adventure in my life anymore. So it's nice to have things like this that keep, keep me on my Oh train. yeah,
3: I'm going to Spain. I don't have any
1: adventure <laughs> <my life>. yeah. <laughs> Oh man. So yeah. Again, the show today is I've Got Your Back and talking about trust. Will, you want to you want to kick us off, man? Yeah. Uh, do you I want mean, to go first
3: uh, with this. Um, you know what? I would like us the three of us to analyze and really kind of look at is like how to um, you know, develop trust. You know what it means to get, you know, to to lend yourself to somebody also to receive like I got your back and that and that give and take relationship. Um, I think it's important we talk about letting go of control like letting our ego kind of step aside um cuz i know there's a lot you know we have uh, I imagine three of us are kind of those alpha guys that are always willing to like boom take charge and lead uh what does it mean to follow you know and and what's the dynamic there you know best practices to give support also receive support um you know the confidence that it, um that getting somebody's back and and giving uh, your your back to somebody and your and your energy to somebody and um you know what and how to receive res- uh, support um, you know, like, again, yeah, I so said the, the confidence that it, that it provides, I think I said a couple of those twice, uh, you know, we could talk about our stories as well, I think would be really great. Um, and also not just where we succeeded, but maybe where we could have done better and blundered a little bit. Uh, and we'll see whatever else comes up on the show. But, um, you know, a lot of things come up. We talk, I mean, there's trust that's involved, uh, which is a big one. I, I, as I'm researching this topic, uh, altruism, comes through, you know, which is the belief in or the practice of disinterest, um, of disinterested and selfless concern of the well-being of others, right? Trust, uh, definition is firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of somebody, someone or something. Um, so, you know, those, those are the things that are coming up for me and, and, uh, John or, um, or Neil, where, where do you think we should start with, um, with this topic?
1: Yeah, I'd love to jump in. I, I like where you talked about, um, not where we failed, but where we may have fallen short, yep. um, both both in receiving trust and in giving trust, both mm-hmm. in providing support for someone's back and maybe maybe um, having someone uh, fail in giving us that support. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I'd like to start with that. Let's start with that and then talk about potentially how you got it back or how that other person who let you down got it back.
3: Yeah. yeah. Also throw in, um, you know, I mean, what, uh, I mean, guys are both, you know, high level military people. Like, what do they do in the military? I'm i interested. I'm not non-military. And I know there's a lot of other non-military people out there. Like, what do they do in the service in order to
1: create that bond? So. Um, yeah. Well, I'll jump in um, and, and you guys feel free to add, add or interrupt me or tell me to shut up. <laughs> we'll, we'll go in. So, so um, I'll start with, with the that last question, then I can get into some failures. Um, I think in the special operations community, at least within naval special uh, warfare, and I'm sure very similar within the Ranger community, you are put through a crucible uh, of some sort, some type of rite of passage. So, some extreme training for so for SEALs, you go through basic underwater demolition SEAL training out in Coronado, which just kind of gained some infamy after being on the the Discovery Discovery Channel and everything else. Um, and you only get a certain number of people through you don't get a whole lot and that's one of the first special operations forces truths is that you can't mass produce special operations forces because they are so um they're because they're special right um and and that in and of itself lends a level of trust when you get to a team when you get to a platoon you know that the other guys have been through that training they've gone through that so in a in a in a weird way going through a physically grueling crucible of some sort lends a level of trust now that's that said i have been let down by my fellow special operators and i have personally let down my or at least i have a feeling that i've let down some of my Brothers in the special operations community, and that's honestly what got me to the point where I was needing meditation and mindfulness in my life because I felt this sense of guilt for letting them down, both for, um, you know, <clears throat> not being on the battlefield when we lost some of the my brothers, and then, and then as we talked about yesterday in the last episode last week about military transition, almost like a feeling of betrayal in leaving. Um, so which is not true, but it's just a feeling. So those are some places uh, that I think special operations helps to develop trust. Um, and also where I personally feel like I, I may have fallen short. Well, uh, what was
3: getting in the way, John? You know what I mean? Like if you look back and reflect, like what was getting in the way of that relationship
1: and that bond and that, you know, that trust that we're trying to talk about here? Uh, I think uh, I think some of that negative self-talk, right? We, we all carry those false narratives with us. And so, uh, there was a lot of, I, one kind of an imposter syndrome that one, I'm, I don't feel good enough to be amongst these superheroes. <laughs> and then, and then two, uh, as I looked to leave and leave the military, I, I felt as though I was almost betraying them again, that's a false narrative, but that's what I was kind of, that's the story I was telling myself in my head. And that got in the way a lot of, of what I felt to be trust. Um, there were, I mean, there were other times too, when you know. For one reason or another, uh, we let it what, let one another down. Um, nothing's popping in my head. I'm sure through the show something will, but uh, yeah, there was definitely things that got in the way. What about you, Neil, Any, anything from your side?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I think that like in the special operations community, the trust is built because you you solve and you like work through really tough missions and problems together, and it's that you know when when. When things are hard, you know, people show their true colors, and then you you, you know you're able to kind of get to another level of 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 intimacy, although we don't call it intimacy. But when you're when you really go through tough things together, then that creates these like really really strong bonds. It's just kind of like you know, as an individual, you have challenges in your own life, and that can be really opportunities for growth. So I actually think about this kind of consciously now when I'm building teams and it's like you need to trust is like the probably the foundational component of a high functioning team so how do you build trust well you 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 get them to work through really tough things together you know and you get them to really have challenge and that that kind of like you know that creates that bond
3: yeah well it's it's interesting like uh there's something about stress like stress and in the human form in any any form like stress strengthens Typically, you know what I mean. If if you're willing to, um, you know, uh, if you're willing to endure it, you know, and, and be with it, but yeah, you know, I have actually, you know, I I you know, doing some homework here, and uh, you know, looking at how to build teams, right, and how to really build trust within teams, and I, I think these these I don't know what's like nine pillars here. It says how to build trust at work, right, and it's like tell the truth, admit when you don't know something, admit when you're wrong. Uh, if you say you'll do it, then do it. If, uh, if you're, if you're meant to do it, then do it, I- explain your process, your thought process, extend trust to others, like include others. Yeah.
2: So. I, um, we use this at McKinsey a lot. And and when I first saw it, I got to admit, I was kind of like, Oh, another framework about how to deal with people. Like, because it's kind of like BS, you know, but actually there is a trust equation. If you Google trust equation, it, it's like pretty well known, but it's basically yeah. trustworthiness okay. equals credibility, plus reliability, plus intimacy over self awareness or self self orientation. And I think when when I think through that, it actually makes sense. It's like, credibility is like you have the right skills, you know, you're not like, you you know, you're not, you're not an imposter, you're not like kind of full BS. And then the reliability one, you know, I think that's, that's where I've failed before. It's like, I will come into things with like a lot of energy, but then kind of like be a bit inconsistent. And, and then people can't rely on you. And the reliability, like the consistency is huge to really build trust. And then the the last one on the top is the the intimacy and this like emotional intelligence. And I think this is also where I've like failed miserably, particularly in the military, where you just didn't get a lot of points for being you know, a, a warm hearted, connected yeah. person, but yeah, kind, but, right. Kind, right. <laughs> but like we, 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 um, you know, we're, we're very energetic beings. We're picking up on, on, on each other's emotion in a real way. Um, not just like through the thinking mind. So this, like this ability to be empathetic and connect uh, in a real way where it doesn't feel like you're just like mechanical to the other human being. <laughs> like that's, that's yeah. really important, but we've,
1: we've got really bad habits collectively, you know, and just kind of, you
2: know, go on the rat race.
1: Yeah. Uh, Will Will and I talk a lot about authenticity, right? And and how valuable that is. And uh, if you are, you know, mm-hmm. reading that trust equation, which I'm going to have to have you say again here in a second. Maybe Lindsay can uh, Google and put it up here. It'd be great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, so it, you put that in the, in the chat. Um, so that the trust equation, even if you're looking at that you're like okay I've got all the parts of the the uh, trust equation and I'll I'm going to work to do that but if you do it robotically and not right. authentically it's not going to come across and it, people and, are going to see through that and that's exactly that that's that self
2: orientation that's the that's the the um variable that's on the bottom so if like you're not aware of yourself if you're not like, living your truth right i guess you could you could say then people smell that from a mile away and it really doesn't right. matter what you do on the top because it's just, you know, that you, you lose everybody. Right. So it's that, and that's why, I'm, you know, and, then, and I know you guys know this, but, um, that's why I'm such a big proponent of meditation. Cause that's like the path, you know, that's how you develop this stuff. You can get better at it.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, a big part, you know, um, of the, of the team is again, again, John, we come back to authenticity, but also vulnerability, you know, like uh, being willing to be seen. Right. And yeah. being willing to be seen is part of that comes with the uh, asking for help or saying you don't know, which I was just talking about, like admitting that you're wrong, which is a big you know, piece of vulnerability. And right there, right there, like what I've seen when, uh, you know, when I admit that I'm wrong or I've fallen short of a particular goal or when I'm asking for help, it's like it's amazing the space that's created amongst the people, maybe just one on one with somebody else or a group of people. And the whole dynamic kind of shifts. And also, right, uh, I guess that's kind of that tuning fork thing again, John, like everyone else begins to be like, wait, okay, I'm a human being too, and I have my own flaws, and I always don't know the answer. And it's like and to see somebody admit that um, really just creates more of that bonding within the group.
2: Yeah, I, mean, so much I, so. I agree. And um, definitely it's, it, but you can, there, there's a middle path to this too. There's a balance, there's a tuning which I found with myself, which is, um, when I was a captain in the Rangers, I was, I was dick, you know, like I told people what to do and they did it because I was a captain, you know, and I didn't have, there wasn't any of this vulnerability or like, you know, how's everybody thinking about this stuff? It was like, you're going to do what I say because I'm the boss. And then when I got into the corporate world, that wasn't going to work. Right. So I had to like, swing it back the other way. But there was actually this period in my career where I think I swung it too far. I was kind of like, you know, here's my heart. Here's my, you know, here's all my things. And, but you you can, there, there's a balance to be had there because you, as a, as a leader, you, you do need to have that credibility, right? So it's, it's, it's a, there's, to me, there's a middle path. It's like, you can kind of overshare and you can be too, you can be too much when, people are really a a lot of times are looking for somebody that it it has the balance, right? Like it, you know, makes, makes the tough decisions, but like in a heart centered way and like, you know, we'll, we'll move things forward where, so it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a tuning
1: exercise, you know, it's not a, not not one way or the other. I like that you hit that man, because it's, and especially in, in high performing teams, you know, and obviously our, our point of reference, or at least mine for the last, 24 years was was special operations, if you do go too far, it, it almost is perceived as weakness. And, and the last thing we want as a leader is to be, be per- perceived as weak because as soon as you're perceived as weak, you become highly ineffective. And then not only are you ineffective, but then your team becomes ineffective or, or it becomes a toxic environment where they start actually um, almost undermining you, undermining your authority, undermining what it is you're doing. And this comes back, Will, to our our Beginner's Mindset uh, episode where we don't want leaders who think they know it all. We want people who are willing to ask questions, admit when they don't know, admit when they've screwed up. Um, But we also don't want people who are weak and spineless. (laughs) So we want somewhere in the middle there. So uh, I'm glad that you hit that, Neil.
3: Yeah, same. Like that middle thing you mentioned, Neil, is great. Like, I mean, what do we, you know, because there's certain... I guess the quality of good, not just leadership, but good teamwork um, and, and and being bonded with your team in the sense of like, you know, being seen, you know, but also being firm. You know, it's like, you know, there's that. And I can only imagine like, you know, being a cap. We got, you know, I have a captain and a commander here today, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and there's a necessary, like, I mean, I think you got to be a dick sometimes, you know, but that's just, sometimes that's just good leadership. Yeah. Right. Um, but also cool. like, yeah. You know, yeah. Go
2: ahead, Neil. Well, I was just there, this, I, I love riding courses and I've gotten to meet a lot of horse trainers over the years and the, the horse trainers that are like, they, they can, they can speak to the horse like energetically. It's like, it's fascinating, right? They have a way of connecting. And one of the guys that I got to know in Mexico actually pretty well said, it's just like leading people. He's like, you need to have this balance of like, they need to have a sense that, they they trust you and they know that you're in charge. Like they respect your authority, mm-hmm. but that they also feel that you love them, right? And you and so it's this this balance of like you care so deeply about them, but you're also gonna like you're gonna have the law down, you know? Like there's there's standards yeah, and to kick like, them
3: in the ass, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: but in a love, but in a love, but in a loving
1: way, right? You kick <laughs> people in the ass in a really loving way, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, I've, I've got horses out here in Colorado, Neil. So if you love horses, come on out some sometime, man. I love that. But, uh, right. but the same with dogs. Like if you don't even have horses, you know, dogs, they will do anything for you. And you can discipline them. But if you're disciplining them in a harsh way, they're going right. to start still, they'll still do anything for you. But they're going to they're lose that trust in you and maybe start yep. shying away from you. So exactly. maybe every good leader needs a dog. It's kind of as a litmus test to see where they are. Every human needs a dog, right? (laughs) Every
3: human needs a dog. That's right. Well, nicely, Ed here says, uh, trust and performance builds integrity. Yeah. Which I think is great. You know, this is not even being, you know, just like, hey, don't, you know, trust me for no reason at all. But if you're showing up performing at your best, right, that's going to raise the level of everybody else. Right. And that develops that kind of credibility and that
1: integrity like we were talking about earlier. Yep. Yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, uh, or Will, rather, I know you wanted to go into Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Do you want to talk about that?
3: Yeah, I, I you know, I, I just, uh, I, I have a, just again, researching for the show and, you know, Abraham's uh, Maslow's famous, famous hierarchy of human needs uh, lists love, belonging, and social interaction as fundamental to the, psycholo- the psychological well-being of a person. I right? think about that, right? The love, belonging, and social interaction, right? It's fundamental to the psychology of well-being of a person we also uh, now know that being socially uh, connected leads to uh, increased lifespan and stronger immune systems right so again this is like we're also biologically wired right uh, to th- we thrive when we are connected right i mean and when we do connect in a meaningful way Uh, in a loving way, but also, you know, have that firmness sometimes too, you know, we begin to, we activate those, you know, those hormones in our body, oxytocin and dopamine are two really big ones, right? Dopamine is that pleasure molecule, but also like we kind of, there's also uh, a need to kind of have that kind of connection, right? But then we do have that connection, right? Oxytocin, that love molecule, like you mentioned, John, you know, giving that love, um, begins to open us up even more. So we have these uh, we have our own biology that comes into play when we uh, we begin to develop this trust, we begin to um, you know have this uh, this I got your back feeling about us. Okay. So I mean, it's not just uh, these aren't just theories or ideas.
1: I mean, this is how we thrive as human beings, which is really important. right And, and yeah, there's a physiology behind it, right? Like truly, Absolutely. like not only do we feel better mentally, but we physically are getting what we need to feel better physically. The, yeah. All those hormones are getting kicked in and, and then that is going to make us feel better. That's gonna make us perform better. And then again, that comes full circle to having trust in those teams to develop them from just an average Joe team to the high-performing team. Um, what, about, what about the reverse? What, what happens in teams where that's not offered or what happens physically even at the individual level when, yeah. when we don't get that, uh, I would love to talk about that. Uh, well, I mean, what comes up for me is like, imagine there
3: is a, um, there's some sort of you know depression or something like that, or just feeling like defeated or not belonging, which is, you know, again, it goes against what I just talked about with Maslow. Um, and, and I'd imagine there's going to be some undermining and there's going to, you know, like, so they're going to be like, uh, Kind of a, maybe a coup within the organization or something like that or within the team, you know, to kind of be like, you know, kick that kind of leader out, which is naturally going to happen in some ways. Um, uh, yeah, those are the things that come up for me.
1: What about you, Neil? Have you seen? Have you seen this? And I don't don't want to have you call out any particular organization or any particular unit, but have you seen this where? There was no trust, and what that did to a team or the individuals.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, where I saw this a lot was in um, when I was doing these like private equity restructurings. We were going in and buying companies that were in bankruptcy. So you'd have this whole senior leadership team. You know, like times got tough, right? The business, the organizations in crisis, and people just get they get you know individualistic and they they get defensive, right? They go into Fight or flight mode, and it's me, 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 and they lose sight of like we're you know we need to kind of work through this together. Um, so yeah, I've I, I've seen it, and I mean, how do you get it back? It's it, when well, I you know when when it's when it's gotten that bad, it's I think it's 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 really tough to get it back. Um, you know, I don't know if I've actually ever seen there's there's a handful of scenarios that I'm thinking of, and and they didn't get it back, like the companies they they had to kind of you know bring a whole new yeah whole new leadership team in but um you know, I think if you're a self-aware leader you know you need to be able to identify those things a bit earlier before they get to to full crisis and and like you know this this container that you, that you're creating for these people to feel comfortable and, and and be able to exchange ideas that that's like one that's probably the one of the most important things of leaders to be mindful of what that what that environment what that container feels like and and people's perceptions of it are if it starts to go down and and how do you how do you know if it's if it's going down you ask you you literally ask people hey do you, you know it can be one-on-one it can be in a group but you say like do you feel like you can be vulnerable here do you feel like if you make a mistake you're gonna be supported do you feel right and like ask ask people you know and in the, the same the same way people, it's like uh, uh, if people ask me, like, how how do you get people to know that you care? Well, you tell them. You tell them. You sit them down and you you authentically tell them and 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 have those connections. That it's all this like water cooler talk, right? These these the stuff that's not just like the mechanical things of business that we have really lost because it's just we're jam packed. We just go from like thing to thing to thing. And it just—it's just like work, 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 work. But there's this whole other connection between human beings. It's really, really important for us to like work together. That like good leaders need to think about. That is, to me, it it informs the work, but it's very separate from like the day to day task. It's this 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 environment that we're creating that we that we often lose sight of.
1: Yeah, I, I, something that you mentioned there, Neil was when when things start to go south in an organization, uh, whether it's military or whether it's corporate, whatever, uh, maybe it's even a sports team. When things start to go south, each individual starts thinking about me, me, me. And it, it becomes that scarcity mindset, right? The, so we talked about on a previous episode, the abundance versus the scarcity mindset. And that scarcity mindset is one of fear, that one of fear of loss at the individual level. And I think that's where people... If they can switch their mindset and say, okay, even though we're going downhill here, we may be losing the organization, what is best for everyone, instead of what's best for me, then maybe that's a, maybe that's an opportunity, one, to get the trust back, but also to get the team back on track. Um, so it's just a, that that mindset. And if you can start to live that mindset in everything that you do that abundance mindset and everything that you do from your fan- friends family to your work and and uh professional life i think that's another place that you may be able to change that level of trust and maybe even get it back if you're lucky
0: yeah
3: i mean getting away from the whole i mean we talked yesterday i mentioned this in the green room like the objective experience versus subjective mm. right instead of just like you know leaders that uh, I mean, I guess, I mean, or bosses, really, we should call them, right? Bosses versus leaders. Like they're just looking at the numbers, the bottom line and, you know, and, and people as cogs in, in their machine. And I say their machine very specifically because they just think they run the whole thing and they built the whole thing and trying to take all the credit of the thing um, versus like seeing people as human beings, you know, that's so incredibly important. And, and as someone's uh, mentioned here about, yeah, as a leader, emotional intelligence is essential today you know it's uh and it really is and 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 that's again why it, with the show and mindfulness and meditation it's going to help you get in touch with those feelings and and i think you know and i think this comes into the man box a little bit with toxic masculinity and when you begin to understand your own feelings um you know you'll be you'll be more available to experience the feelings of others and therefore, be maybe lend yourself into helping others, and to asking for help, or saying you're wrong, and being vulnerable and authentic. Um, and it's these are, and it's also. But how do we practice these things? Like you know, what I mean, how do we? You know, we're talking about all these wonderful me, things. Give me, but,
2: sorry, give me one. Yeah. I'll be back. okay, all yeah, right. yeah. All right. Man. So, uh,
3: but like, uh, um, you know, what are the things, John, that that help to us uh, to practice? um, getting away from that toxicity or getting away from that, you know, boss kind of mindset and like bringing yourself into your own humanity. So therefore,
1: um, you can be with humanity of somebody else. Yeah, uh, I think you hit it on the head, man, is is the objectification of the people in your organization, whether it's the, you know, the, the people that work for you, your colleagues that work with you, or the whole organization. I mean, you've got to understand the human aspect of it and understand that all those humans have something going on in their lives. You have to be compassionate. I know we come full circle always. We should just call this men talking compassion because it (laughs) comes up in our episode every time, compassion, compassion, compassion. So I think think we'll start calling this men talking compassion. But if you are (laughs) able to show that and understand that each person in that organization is a human being. Each human being has something going on in their lives that may be challenging them, may be uh, an obstacle or a piece of adversity for them. Then, then I think that we're able to develop that trust. Um, so, uh, a TV series that my wife and I watch every year is—I think it's ten or eleven episodes. It's Band of Brothers. And oh my God. basically, love that. yeah, yeah. I, I think, bought that on CD back oh,
3: in the day. Like so I love Band of Brothers. It's it's unbelievable. So
1: Literally, I think every leader should be real, like required to watch that, whether you're a military leader or a corporate leader, because in every episode, there's like two or three leadership lessons to, to be learned. And uh, and one of them is trust. I mean, there's there's several times that in the in the series the trust is violated, and uh, specifically, as as the, the the one leader, I'm forgetting his name right now, but the the initial leader of Easy Company, he treats his people like machines and as a as a means to an end for his promotion, and and his and his people lose trust in him instantly, and and you know that becomes a toxic environment. And as soon as that guy is removed, and Neil talked about this before you know, replacing some leadership that where the, uh, where the trust had been lost as soon as he was replaced uh, by, by captain winners or Lieutenant winners at the time, um, the organization and the, and the the company just takes off and it's just unstoppable. Um, So anyway, well, they were able (laughs) to really,
3: uh, you know, achieve, and I'm sure you guys have experienced this as well. When you, I mean, you have one toxic member, like it's, you know, one bad apple, what did I say? Right. It's going to contaminate the rest. And, but when you, when you really work cohesively, you know, and what I enjoyed, like I was, uh, I actually gave, I gave my um, copy of *Stealing Fire* to somebody. But I remember, like, hearing and reading in the book, you know, that hive mentality that that that, ha- that happens, you know, in the SEAL teams, and I'm sure, like, in in the Ranger organizations as well, because like you're all clicking on all cylinders. And without that, that I got your back and that trust, and and, um, and all the things you've gone through to get to that point, it's complete. It's impossible, right, to function as one unit. You know? Um, one thing I'll also say that you brought up earlier, John, uh, is, you know, when I went through my first yoga training, we um, we did this exercise uh, and the teacher that was, um, you know, facilitating this particular group was saying, you know, you don't know where people, when people walk into the yoga studio, you don't know where they're at. You know, you don't know what kind of day they had, you know, to come back to the, you know, humanizing people. You know, you don't know if you know, somebody passed away or, you know, they got yelled at at work or, you know, something happened on the subway or something like that. You know, so instead of like, you know, judging someone when you see them just be on their appearance or the energy that they're kind of carrying or whatever emotional state they're in, you know, just being neutral, you know, and just being open and being kind and being friendly. And, um, and that right there, just creating that space for somebody to be where they are and how they are, you know, also begins to create more of that, some of those bonds of trust. Um, so I wanted to mention
1: that as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Neil, you got anything, brother? Yeah,
2: um, I mean, yeah. You just can't over you can't overstate how, how important it's like the it's foundational to our relationships. It's like the thing you need to you need to be able to trust. So you gotta you gotta be mindful of it, and and then you know think about how you how you build it yeah, and maintain
3: yeah. it. Well, here's like you know I have some here's another article. It's just from the um, Harvard Harvard Business Review. You know, it says our data shows that great teams, right? um, And and these are trainable skills. They also mentioned article as well. Um, You know, they, they communicate frequently, right? That's super important. They talk and listen in equal measure, equally among members, right? So it's not one person, you know, like a super alpha, maybe toxic type that's always controlling the conversation and, and, you know, the narrative and, and, and swaying, you know, to their, you know, selfish needs sometimes, uh, engage in in you mentioned this earlier neil it's like those um those conversations outside of the uh, outside of the meeting right engaging in frequent formal communication is what they call here in the article uh, another one is like you know ex- explore for ideas and information outside the group right so just going outside and um, uh, they periodically connect with many different outside sources and bring what they learned and bring it back to the team you know so they're always looking to grow um, outside of, of the team itself, you know, just trying to strengthen and, um, in, in the team itself, but also strengthen, uh, the goal that you have as a team.
1: It's all about the trust fall. We've got to do more trust falls in organizations, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, have you guys done an actual trust fall? I
3: have, I have, yeah. it's
1: scary. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. You were like up on a, like a plank, like six or seven feet or something like that. Jumping yeah, yeah, backwards.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah you gotta, you gotta trust your team in order to catch you. <laughs> I've seen that done in, you know, different leadership offsides and things. And as silly as they are, they, they are effective, um, for at least developing trust in that very moment.
3: <laughs> yeah, for Better sure. They it. really show people
1: where they're at, you know, I mean, I've done it and I have,
3: you know, I mean, I, I, uh, I mean, we should talk about this. Like I, I tend to uh, trust very easily, you know? And so, I mean, I, I have a friend a, a long time ago, he said, there's only like really two types of trust. He goes "Either." You have you give trust like right away or you build into trust. Right. And I'm kind of the guy that I don't know if that's true. That's just his feeling. But I remember him saying that. Um, and I tend to just give trust like and I'm, you know, maybe I'm ignorant in some ways, but like, why would they want to hurt me? You know, and then when they do and they betray and I'm like, all right, well, boom, they're out. You know, or they have to, you know, it's going to take a long time to reestablish that trust again. You know, so when I'm doing this trust fall with people. I'll be like, I mean, in my mind, of course, I'm like, well, I hope they don't fucking drop me off my ass, <laughs> you know, because I'm going to get hurt, you know, um, and I would just fall back and everything was fine. But, you know, I was working, um, doing some work with uh, Momentum Education a long time ago, back in like 2010, 11, which is similar to Landmark Forum. Um, just kind of developing myself as a as a stronger adult, a stronger individual, and, and getting skills that I didn't haven't necessarily worked on or received from you know my education in high school or college or even like playing um you know collegiate sports. Uh, you know, so so it was a really great time to be able to uh, explore these skills and work with them. But some during this trust fall, I would see, you know, uh, we—I had I don't know how—we had like many members, I and mean, we think we had like forty people. And they i guess—we're broken to pods of maybe fifteen. And some people would be so scared. I mean, they're—they're they're gonna fall back, and they're like, "No, I can't go! I can't go! I can't go!" And you know, it's—it uh, was interesting to see their physical reaction and their emotional reaction, and 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 the and the resistance to taking that trust fall. And it, it was interesting about the trust fall—you're not falling forward; you're literally falling back. Right, so you can't even see where you're falling, um, which is uh, can be a very, very, um, you know, scary thing for a lot of people.
1: I mean, that's why it's so effective, right? I mean, <laughs> again, yeah. I, I I said it jokingly the trust fall uh, earlier. I'm 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 loving that we're talking about the trust fall for five minutes, but I mean, that's what you have to do in in real life, right? You you don't see that you're going to have that support in front of you in, in, in your organization, in your team, with your friends, with your family, you don't see that you have that support. You just trust that you have that support. And, and when you do fall literally or metaphorically, when you fall, um, you, you need them there to catch you, to keep you from again, literally, or metaphorically hurting yourself. Um, so it is a pretty powerful thing, but you mentioned something there will, and we haven't spoken a whole lot, you know, you talked about trust in your athletic teams, right? When you're a collegiate athlete and we've Mm -hmm. all, we've all been athletes of some sort uh, back in the day, (laughs) back in our prime. (laughs) Right. Um, So, and I think that that's where a lot of it starts, Um, whether it's athletics or whether it's some um, academic team or something, when you're very young, you have a team that you start to develop trust in. And if that trust is supported then you feel that you can give trust later on in your life. If you are betrayed very early on in your life, whether it's by an athletic team, an academic team, or even your family early on, it may be harder to give that trust. Like you mentioned, you're one that can give trust right away. Um, Others may have to build up to giving trust or or have a lot of difficulty. Uh, Maybe it comes from something that they've struggled with early on. And I want to come full circle to that's where maybe mindfulness uh, can really come into play is that the, you pay attention to yourself. You have trust in yourself, which I think is also a huge foundation in giving trust to others. And then you're able to uh, really have that compassion because you're being mindful. You have that compassion for others. And then you're able to give that trust more readily.
3: Yeah. Well, finding that what we mentioned, Neil said earlier, is finding that middle path. You know, that's what's really going to help you. Is So you're not like, you know, you're it's essential really to find that middle. So if you're neutral, then every, then potentially everything else in the world is kind of comes from a neutral place, right? Instead of being preconceived as a threat or preconceived as something else, right? I can be like, oh, well, here I am, you know, this situation is happening over here or this relationship has just stepped into the room or something like that. It's like, okay, where do I, you know, instead of putting some sort of like you know, a uh, label or judgment or, or, or previous circumstance on it, or even your emotional content at that time. And like putting someone as a target of your, you know, of, of, of some sort of deep emotions that have nothing to do with them. It's like, how can I be neutral again? For sure. You know? And I think that's really important for, for leadership and teamwork, you know, another, there's no I in team, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's we, we go. Right. Right. Um, you know, someone actually, Neil, I love to hear your comment on this. It's like someone wrote here, like, how do you how do you deal with betrayal, mm. which is like the opposite of trust. Like, I, I'm putting you on the spot here, Neil, but
2: <laughs> yeah, how do you deal with betrayal? I mean, um, wow, that's a that's a tough one when you really feel like your your trust has been has been violated. Um, I I guess I can speak about, you know. We have an example, maybe, or
3: something. Yeah, there's been some times,
2: you know, in 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 romantic relationships of past where I felt where I felt betrayed, right? Where I felt not not respected, and um, yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta kind of like do the work to get under the hood of why you both feel that way, and and then and then you know figure out if there's a there's a path forward to like rebuild trust. But I think needs to be like very self-aware and and, and mindful the the real risk is you just like brush it under the rug and don't address the betrayal don't address like the feelings that were hurt don't have some you know resolution to this this thing and if you don't it, it it will without fail affect that relationship going forward so you gotta like look at these things and bring them to the surface and you know they're wow. not going to go away on their own right you gotta yeah. work through them
3: well communicate you know and 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 i guess through honest vulnerable compassionate conversation you know you begin to maybe form that trust again you know i, I imagine it's going to be slow to to give somebody your full trust or that person that that you've had betrayal with like personally i yeah, I am not good at betrayal. Like, I will admit that right now. I'm, I'm just like delete. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> you me over, gone. You know, and and like and, and like I am. Sh- that is not probably the best way to you know deal with those kind of circumstances. Uh, but like, I, so that's uh, it's kind of work in progress. You know, so
1: um, for me. Um, but yeah, I just want to say that. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, I'm probably the same way. But knowing that about myself, that's part of that equation. And I'm going to screw up that equation again. I'll have to bring it up in the captions, but you know, that, that self-awareness, uh, that self-orientation, um, that's, that's the, that's critical, right? Knowing that you instantly cut somebody off if you've been betrayed, maybe that allows you to work on yourself and maybe take some, take some leaps of faith and reach out to those who you feel betrayed by. I know sometimes what I've uh, experience is I've inadvertently betrayed someone's trust and haven't even known it. And they've cut me out completely. And then for one reason or another, you know, months later, weeks later, years later, right, I was, I was saying, saying about people who have taken that step for me, they've reached up after they've perceived betrayal and they've said, Hey, John, you know, when you did X, Y, or Z, it really hurt my feelings or it hurt my level of trust. And I was like, Holy yeah. shit. I didn't even realize yeah. that. And then that gave me an opportunity to apologize. So a lot of the time in in working with betrayal, we just need to make sure that we have, <laughs> first of all, in fact, been betrayed. And it wasn't an yeah. inadvertent uh, betrayal or a perceived betrayal that wasn't ever even an actual betrayal. And I think that's important. Yeah. So that comes back to not you know, brushing it under the rug, like Neil mentioned, having it out there having that open communication, like you mentioned, Will, I think that's, uh, that's critical.
3: Yeah, so I mean, the vulnerability, coming back to that, you know, momentum education, and anybody out there listening, you know, check them out, like, I think it's, it's really helped me understand uh, language, how I speak to myself, how I speak to other people, how words really matter, you know, like, where they say, uh, language is consciousness. Um, And it also helped me be very effective with myself, and therefore other people. And one of the exercises that we did, um during this training, um, and it was kind of like uh, I can't remember the name of the exercise where <laughs> you know and you' we're, we're, I did this leadership program with them. So I went from like this basic training <laughs> yeah you know, uh, to this advanced training to this leadership training into like a master training with them over like a year's time. And when we were getting through the leadership training, we we're working together in order to achieve different goals, and it really, and it was all group and goal oriented um, and team oriented in order to and, and necessary in order to accomplish those goals. You know, stuff would break down as a big word, break down. There'd be a big breakdown and we'd have like a conversation about that. Uh, and then it would be at, at like one of our final exercises as we're kind of closing um, this like this, this 90 days that we work together to achieve these goals as a group. Um, you know, we had this uh, uh, you I forget what it was called, but it was like kind of a betrayal like uh, or um, uh, opportunity when somebody has betrayed you within the group or within the team you were able to speak up about it. Mm. And it was like, whoa, like it's really uncomfortable. But it was something about, you know, coming back to what we said earlier about stress. It's like that stress of being in that uncomfortable place helped me just to get more familiar with being in that very uncomfortable, very vulnerable conversation with somebody, just like you said, John, and, and hearing and receiving information from them and really taking it in and not just brushing on the rug or deleting them or telling them like oh you're full of shit or something <laughs> like that or blaming them it's your fault um and 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 again i think it's like putting yourself out there is is and and being the also i think what's important to be a great leader to be a great team member is being the having the willingness somebody mentioned here on the chat the willingness to take that step Uh, and, and, and just to speak up, even if you don't have the right words, but coming from a heartfelt kind space in order for hopefully something productive or at least real will come from that conversation. You can really see each other through or outside of the lens of that, uh, you know, the contentiousness that is between you.
1: Yeah. And and I want to come, come back to Neil on something here and and it has to do with the, with the organization that you're running with Evolucio. I know some of what you're doing is plant-based medicine. And I know some of the stuff that goes into the work before you do any type of plant-based medicine medicine ceremony is maybe openness, uh, openness with the people that you're with in that ceremony, um, or maybe even during that ceremony. Can you talk to what you may have seen in those ceremonies? Obviously not by name, uh, but if you've seen anything like that and, and how... Plant-based medicine can maybe even be used to get that trust back.
2: We're, we're actually, I would say we're kind of targeting top teams, frankly, um, because look, this, this idea that we've been talking about trust is about um, authenticity, connectedness, empathy, and all these things can be trained, right? You can actually like work and get better at them through meditation, through mindful movement, there's real benefit to being in nature, digital detox, getting the thinking mind out of the way, so that you can mm. get into your heart and get into your central nervous system and then connect on that deeper level is really important. And so we, we've actually done programs with teams where we kind of bring them through. Um, we, we teach them these tools, and then we use plant medicine together. And I, I think that this is the, Frankly, I think this is the future. Now I know I'm a bit out there on the fringe right now. That's fine. But, <laughs> me too, <Neil>. me. Um, <laughs> yeah, bring look, it. <laughs> but look, we uh, we bring groups together all the time, and we get drunk, um, and that's like okay. But you know, there, there's not real, you know, benefit there. Alcohol <laughs> is making you alcohol in a lot of ways is making you tune out. So you're actually you're kind of like going the other direction, like away right. from this into intimacy and like real heartfelt connection. Where you know psilocybin, like cultures have been using it for millennia, like literally all throughout the world. Um, and it's natural and it's exceptionally safe. And when you use it in kind of ceremony and community, it really opens people up. It gets this, there's this like, you know, we don't, we don't fully under, understand the mechanics of the science yet. You know, we're starting to figure out some things, but There is this deeper level of interconnectedness that that plant medicine and meditation can help people get to. And it's really powerful. You know, you get people to really get vulnerable and really connect. And then, you know, that's how you get really high functioning teams. Nice.
3: What dissolves a lot of, you know, um, these psychedelics, they dissolve a lot of those things that get in the way of our true human experience. Right. And again, coming back to the hierarchy of needs, it's like our true human experience is to... Love, accept, you know, to, to be, you know, belong to love and and to be part of something, right? You know, um, um, and it's like with, yeah, that's I I I've been in those ceremonies as well, and just to see, you know, some of the
2: who,
3: who, some of the like the, before the ceremony, you know, the hardest individuals, like the, the the like the most toxic men or something like that, you know, for for lack of a better word, they just open up into a whole new place, and what what I enjoy seeing as well, not just them open, but how they're opening changes the whole group
2: yeah yeah like yeah it
3: changes the whole entire group and you're like now I am able to actually go deeper into my own heart and 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 bring forth more of that love and that compassion and that vulnerability and authenticity and it's just like and then it just becomes this incredible rally around those things which mm-hmm. is I'm, I'm getting goosebumps talking about <laughs> it because I'm like re, I'm serious I'm re-experiencing in some way because that's how deep it runs within our neurology yeah. and in our biology yeah 100 percent Well,
2: and there's a reason why why people have been using these medicines for thousands and thousands of years. They didn't need a clinical trial to tell them that they were some benefit to like connecting and, you know, having strong bonds and tight tribes and right. So um, we just got, we got a little bit smart in the Western world and we needed to be able to prove everything on a chalkboard, (laughs) you know, And, and, and instead of, instead of going through our own experience and saying, "Is this helpful to me? Can I can I feel this?" It's like we need to have somebody else tell us that it's it's fact, right? But I think that you know, right, right. Sure. I, think, I have a business idea. Anybody out there listening? Can,
3: you know, give me a little credit out there. You know, we can have like you know our compassion coffee, little psilocybin in the <laughs> coffee in the morning. You, <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? you know, drink it up, go to work. It's like, what's up, everybody? How are yeah. y'all doing? You know, it's like so. Maybe that'll take may- you know as, as like you said, uh, Neil. Like as we step into the new future of humanity, maybe this is what it takes in order to shift that needle a little bit further over to like, you know, the place that we know that we can be as
1: human beings.
2: Yeah, I think uh, it can, I think it can help. I may or may not have <laughs> had that
1: copy this morning already, Will. <laughs> Whoa, John. Awesome, John. So, hey, all right, mm-hmm. we're coming to the uh, the end of the show before we get into our final grounding practice for Neil. And uh, for our audience, Neil, what's the best way to f- for people to connect with you if they have questions from you directly or about your organization and what it is you guys are doing? Yeah,
2: yeah, Evolution. So just like Evolution without the N dot org, um, and you can kind of see the team there, see what we're working on. We have retreats this fall in Jamaica and in Costa Rica that use psilocybin and like this holistic wellness programming. That's um, you know been stamped by Harvard doctors. And it's, it's, it's this blend of kind of a really scientific approach, but we still incorporate the indigenous kind of tribal mysticism and ceremony, right? Where, so it's a very safe environment and a really powerful experience, but there's real rigor to it too. Like there's, 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 there's science, you know? So I would love if anybody wanted to reach out and inquire about those programs, I can send them more information and um, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's good stuff. Right on. So, evolucio.org. I'm going to put that caption up for people to see that. And we'll make sure that's in the show notes for people to reach out um, and find out more about that. Uh, All right. So, Will, you and me. Who's doing the closing practice? You want to flip a coin? You're
3: you're doing this, John. You, my
1: brother. (laughs) All right. Because I love and trust you, John. (laughs) Oh, there you go, man. You put a lot of trust in me. You're putting your ego aside and you're putting your trust in me. Good for you. I think that's a key point, too. We've got to put our egos aside. (laughs) So, that said, uh, mine is going to look a lot like Neil's from this morning. I'm a Sitting here with my flip flops on, like I always do, I'm kicking them off so that I can put my feet on the ground and really get rooted into the ground. If you have shoes on and you're in a place where it's comfortable and safe to take your shoes off, go ahead and do that. Um, And if you're in a place where it's safe and comfortable and you are comfortable doing so, go ahead and close your eyes. Otherwise, just soften your gaze and just kind of look at some spots, somewhere about six to eight feet in front of you. Sit up straight, but not stiff and bring your attention to your breath, not forcing anything, but just noticing the actual physical sensations of breathing, noticing the air coming in, potentially through your nose. If it's coming in through your nose, notice the air passing your nostrils. Imagine that air going down into your lungs, inflating those lungs expanding your belly and the reverse as you breathe out. Notice your belly contracting your lungs. Imagine them shrinking the air coming up and out through your mouth. Notice that air passing your lips and your tongue as you breathe out. And now let's do three deep breaths with a hold at the top. it's not box breathing, it's just three deep breaths with a hold at the top. Begin by breathing all your air out. Breathe in deep through the nose as deep as you can. Hold that. Feel that. And release. Blow it all out. Deep breath in. Really expand your belly and your lungs. Hold that. Feel that. And relax, letting it out nice and slow. Slow, slow, slow. Last one. Deep breath in as deep as you can go. Hold it at the top. And let it go. Now just breathe naturally. And bring your awareness back to the physical sensation of breathing. Specifically, notice the air passing your nostrils as you breathe in. And then shift from the sensation of the air passing your nostrils, shift to your eyes and slowly blink them open on your own time or refocus your gaze. And here we are back together. All right. Thanks for an amazing show. Neil, thanks for being here, brother. Will, as always. I really appreciate the show. And for our listeners and our audience, if you are watching or listening, take a screenshot of this and share it on social media. Help us to promote the show. More importantly, help us to promote the messages that we're putting out there. Trust, compassion, mindfulness, meditation, love, loving kindness, those kinds of things. And I'll turn it over to Neil for any last anything last before you, before you go, brother. No, well, thank you. I enjoyed it. Hopefully All we right. can
2: do something like this again. Have a for great weekend. Sure. For yeah,
3: for sure. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, uh, John. And thank you the audience and everybody out there. And uh, thanks for another great show.
2: Appreciate it.
3: All
1: right. You guys. Take care, guys. Bye. Peace.
0: Thanks for joining Will and John on Men Talking Mindfulness. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share it with your friends and family. And please, we would appreciate a review too. Until next time, this has been Men Talking Mindfulness. Thanks for showing up.